Welcome to A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, a podcast about geek culture by lawyers with your hosts, Ben Siders and Kurt Damon. And welcome back to A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, the podcast that asks interesting questions that don't have any answers with your hosts, Ben Siders, that's me, and the other guy is Kirk Damon. As always, Kirk has the captain of the Enterprise. We are intellectual property lawyers and certified geeks practicing law in St. Louis, Missouri. You can find me, Ben, on Twitter at Benjamin Siders, and you can find Kirk at KirkDMN, and you can find this podcast at LGGPod. We are doing today a, I guess we called it a mid-season Star Wars episode. <laughs> We're doing Star Wars again because we like know, doing Star Wars. It's it's their fault. They keep shoving new content at us, and they can't expect us to not talk about it. <laughs> I know, that's entirely blame Disney Plus for putting out too much good Star Wars Do you know Wars how much content? spare time we'd have if we weren't into Star Wars? Uh, so um, we just found a, um, a relatively recent, when did this get published? Uh, it's uh, September 10th of this year on IGN upcoming and next Star Wars movies and TV shows 2022 release dates and beyond that says here's what's headed your way at hyperspace speed boy is that ever true uh there's a lot coming out we were we originally were going to just talk about the mandalorian season three trailer and the andor tv series that's coming up but now hurt pointed out to me three seconds before we started recording that there's a bad badge two trailer <laughs> and then we found all this other stuff some of which i hadn't even heard about like a book of boba fett season two dear god why <laughs> Uh, I think a lot of it's things we had heard were potentially coming. Some of these are probably not completely finalized, is my guess. Yeah, we get that impression. Um, You know, it's what it is. I I knew about the Bad Batch season two. I'd seen something in conjunction that I thought there was a trailer for it out. Um, But yeah, it's it's one of these where I think the biggest thing we're really bumping into, and what's really interesting about this, is the sheer weight of content coming out right now. There's so much. And so much of this is based upon something that has already been released. You know, this is this is new content, but it's new content like we started about Mandalorian season three, which is obviously considering off Mandalorian. Yep. A lot of this is season two, season threes. And even some of the new stuff is based upon existing you know, properties or whatever it is. But yeah, the Book of Boba Fett season two being a perfect example. Um, you know, do we really need a Book of Boba Fett season two? Yeah, Didn't good we to already have that. <laughs> important was, question. Can't we just make that Mandalorian season <laughs> 2.5? Uh, yeah. You know? <laughs> so uh, what we thought we would do is kind of go through and give you a short description from this IGN website about what each one of these is. And then give each one, I don't know, 60 seconds, you know. Well, who am I kidding? We're not going to give it 60 seconds. No, that never not. happened. But uh, we'll at least aspire to give it 60 <laughs> seconds of sort of our, our general thought ideas uh, and uh, you know hopefully you all are ex- as excited about this as we are uh, the first one on the list is Star Wars Andor a TV series starting September 21st we're recording this on September 15th so less than it's a week away launch it. it's a three series yeah. episode launch I think uh, do we know how many total episodes there are? I don't. Yeah, um, I'm they, not sure there's been anything saying what it is. I think they're typically... Well, uh, Kenobi was six, I think. Yeah, six to seven, I think, and in a lot of cases. That was seven, yeah. So I, I would guess it's around that range, maybe in the, the six to ten range at most. Uh, here's what IGN says. The series is described by Disney as a, quote, rousing spy thriller, end quote, and will explore some of the dangerous missions carried out by Andor and his allies during the early days of the Rebellion. Um, you know, one thing I'm interested in, it has Stellan Skarsgård, and if you don't know who that is, he was the uh, 
he was the math professor from Goodwill Hunting, but younger <laughs> people probably know him better as um as one of the uh, one of Davy Jones's crew from the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Okay, uh, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's really good. Um, I don't know what his role is here exactly, but um, uh, very interesting. And then it's being directed by it looks like no, the showrunner is Black Mirror's Toby Haynes. I've never watched Black Mirror. No, neither. Lots I of people actually, have told me I, I should. It's supposed to be a, a superb. Uh, and then a uh, footnote: Andor season two is also in the works. So I guess at this point we can just stop saying it's a series and just say. It's, you know, the seasonal TV show. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we saw the trailer. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Um, two trailers, actually. Two trailers, yeah. Uh, I, I got to say, when they announced this, I liked the Cassian Andor character. I definitely liked Diego Luna as an actor. Um, I just wasn't sure there was enough there there to make a show out of. Yeah. But boy, have they changed my mind with yeah, the trailer. Yeah, and I'm sort of the same boat. I mean, Rogue, Rogue One was a great movie. I loved the concept of Rogue One. I loved the fact that they released it. But Rogue One really felt like a self-contained story, even though we had a yeah. bunch of new characters we hadn't really encountered before it's kind of like do we really need their backstories which yeah. is what a lot of these content is but i'm sort of with ben on this having watched these trailers like this looks really good <laughs> kind of like kenobi like i think both you and i were not especially excited about kenobi until we saw the trailer like okay you've, you've got my attention disney well done yeah, exactly <laughs> i think the big thing with this one the big thing with this one for me and, and we're going to talk about themes i know in general stuff going in here it seems like right now Disney really, really wants to explore the foundation of the empire. Yeah, the, the era between seasons three and or episode three and episode four. I, I think part of that, and then also the the era between episode six and episode seven. It seems like they want to stay away from what's covered by the movies and fill in all those gaps. Yeah, they want to fill in the gaps. And the thing that I think that, that's so interesting about it, though, is you know, I mean, given sort of the current political you know world in the United States. I think there is sort of a fascination with the idea of, you know, beginning or end of empires. Yeah. And what we're really seeing here is this idea of sort of the death of the Republic and the beginning of the empire and how it happens. What does the emperor do? And filling in that, you know, the line in Star Wars with, you know, the emperor has disbanded the Senate and swept with that, swept away yeah. the last vestiges of the old Republic. Yeah, that's exactly um, right. And, you know, we're going to get to see that happen as to exactly what it is. And obviously that means the Senate has to exist up until the start. Up of the until that point. Yeah. <laughs> and, and kind of be like a pointless, you know, figurehead ceremonial organization or so. something along yeah. those lines i think and, what's interesting is you know one of the reasons one of the ways i think they're dealing with the lack of any real you know uh background or information of the and or character uh it looks from the trailers and tell me if you disagree like he the show's about him but it's really having that character set in sort of a broader story that he's a smaller part of yep. that might be the smart way to go here since there's not much to the character himself i'm sure we'll get some background on like what his personal conflicts are but it really seems to be like you said set in a in a broader story where his his role in that story is just the lens through which we're going to see this greater plot unfold yeah and that's the big thing that really gets me with this, and actually the reason why I'm getting enthused about this as a show, is I love the concept that this is mostly political intrigue. Yeah. Yes, it's going to be violent spy thriller. I mean, we're going to have some James Bond aspects and Mission Impossible aspects of it, you know, type thing here. But really the concept behind what we're going to see with this, I think, is we're going to see the aspects of the Senate starting to try to get around the Empire. And fail, Organa, presumably, yeah. yeah. Bail Organa trying to do it. Mon Mothma, you know, the ones, the senator, ex-senators we know. Is she um, in this? 
Uh, yeah, my mom is in this. Oh, yeah, it says right here. We've got uh, uh, Genevieve O'Reilly plays Mon Mothma, and Forrest Whitaker is back as yeah. Saw Carrera, hopefully <laughs> doing a better job than what we saw in Rogue One. Well, I mean, he's kind of just the disaffected you know, guy in Rogue One. Oh, I like, I like the character. He just had that, that Save the Rebellion line that was really badly executed. Yeah. So that's not his fault. He was not well-directed there. <laughs> and then Alan Tudyk is back as, as KS2, uh, K2SO, so we get yep. to see him again. So, yeah, I think what we've really got with this is it's going to be interesting to see the idea of it being essentially a political thriller where i think we really are going to get into those aspects of the rise of the empire and what's happening behind the scenes that allows the empire to be wrought to rise i think we might get something we haven't had quite frankly in a lot of star wars movie and content as a whole which is this might be scary um you yeah. may get the idea of you know the empire really rising of just this sort of really evil force yeah in a way that it didn't exist at all in the movies and has only existed a little bit in conjunction with the TV. I mean, we saw it a little bit in, in Bat End of Bad Batch Season 1, you know, it's sort of the destruction of, of the clones. Um, and we see, you know, those kind of elements around it of that, no, the Empire is really, a, you know, a very bad place yeah. to live, a very scary place to live. We it, For the first time, we saw that in Kenobi. You know, there were aspects yeah. of it in Kenobi where there's things where you're actually, you know, you become actively scared that a character is going to get caught by the stormtroopers because bad things happen when the stormtroopers catch you, as opposed to them, you know, just, you know, blindly missing you when they're shooting at you <laughs> um, and, you know, sort of stuff like that. So it's one of those where I think I feel like that's going to be interesting. I think we're going to see that. And I'm kind of intrigued to how that works in the Star Wars universe, which for the most part, let's face it, the Star Wars universe is a fairly nice environment yeah you know if you think about it the, the movies have really avoided addressing in any meaningful way uh the the moral relativism of the actual you know of reality right yeah. they the, you know we, we blow up the death star because that's where the bad guys live and don't ask any questions about what the janitor did wrong you know the, to deserve <laughs> to, to die in a fiery cataclysm and, and then likewise the giant fleet of star destroyers which they say is full of conscripts in episode nine like ah whatever they're, they're dead so we can shoot off fireworks and say the good guys won so yeah. it's a really oversimplified cinematic moral universe these tv shows give you a little more time to to, to explore that more. And we even saw some hints of that in the Rogue One movie. At the very beginning, we see Cassie and Andor execute a co-conspirator to avoid him being able to blab because he's clearly like a, a loose factor. They get caught by the stormtroopers in whatever city that was and the guy's panicking and freaking out and he just kills him. Yeah. Uh, so that's something we've not seen a lot of the rebellion. How many how many people had to do morally questionable things in justification of this cause? Yeah. I think we're going to get into some of that. I will also be interested to see if they tell any more of the backstory of the Death Star designer. I'm forgetting his name now, but it was the main character, uh, uh, Jenner, so her dad. Um, I actually read Catalyst, which was the the novel that was the prequel to Rogue One. And that is canon, if I remember correctly. I don't, I don't know if it is or not, but it could be. It's very, very well yeah. done. Well written book. Uh, not not really not a conventional novel. So if you haven't read that, it's worth reading. It's it's very well done. Uh, but it gets into some of how Urso um, was sort of tricked into engaging in this basically like renewable energy slash um, uh, just energy program, not really realizing what he's really developing is a weapon for the Empire. Then when he does develop it, that's when he goes off to the planet we see at the beginning of Rogue One. So they could work some of that story in here. It'd be interesting to see if they do. Yeah, I think that that's, again, I think we're going to see a darker twist here. The example I have with this, as for anybody who knows who's listening to this podcast repeatedly, I am a big James Bond fan. 
what we're kind of seeing is the Daniel Craig takeover mm-hmm. of James Bond, where all of a sudden James Bond got darker. And, yeah. and it was not just, again, sort of, you know, morally clear. These guys were, you know, crazy, weird terrorists. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, it was the, eh, maybe some of this is a bit questionable. And by the way, don't forget that this is actually really unpleasant um, of the things that happen here. It seems to fit what we've seen in spy dramas recently. You know, spy dramas seem to be getting more into the idea that, yeah. like, spycraft is not, you know, you know, cool, you know, shoe phones and, you know, hidden, you know, toys and stuff like that. A lot of it involves people dying in kind of horrible ways in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like the man- war. The Mandalorian seems to have taken over a little bit of the, the silliness aspect of Star Wars, where it's a little bit more of a lighthearted story. You've got the, you know, the youngling yeah. character. Uh, but like, um, Kenobi was pretty dark. This yeah. looks like it might also be pretty dark. So I don't know if that's a conscious choice by, um, by Kathleen Kennedy and the, and the creative direction team over there, but, uh, it certainly does seem that they're, they're packaging thematically and tonally different elements into different parts of this. And yeah. so I'm expecting, as you said, this to be Daniel Craig's a good example. James Bond got less silly and more serious with Daniel Craig this yeah. seems to be going in that direction and I think that you've really got part of it also just because they're selecting that time period and I think yeah. that's why they're selecting that time period because we really have you know this would be an incredibly bad window to live through if yeah. you live in the Star Wars universe we saw that in the Bad Batch season one maybe that's a good ch- ch- thing to move yeah. on to here um, we'll, we'll skip ahead to Bad Batch season two uh, according to IGN debuting January 4th of 2023 oh the premiere says end of 22 the preview says end of 22 so, so yeah, yeah maybe this is this may be out of date uh, the blurb is the, la- the latest Star Wars animated series returns for a second season as Clone Force 99 continues to find its purpose in the early days of the Empire we're expecting season two to reveal more about the true nature of Omega and her connection to Emperor Palpatine's twisted cloning experiments, and we know for sure a Wookiee Jedi will show up this season. We did see that in the trailer, yeah, so that's the tra- interesting. Now, there's a Wookiee Jedi in... Um, uh, or Jedi Youngling in conjunction with either Clone... I think it's in Clone Wars. It's in one of the other animated series. I can't remember if it's Clone Wars or Rebels. Uh, they rescue a number of Jedi Younglings, one of whom is a Wookiee. Um, it's actually must be in Rebels. Because it's their discussion of the making the lightsabers, because his is made out of wood. It's natural. Oh, very cool. Um, which is kind of a neat idea. Is that how he, that's how he chooses to make his lightsaber? Um, I have the feeling that's the same character. We may very well see that yeah. um, as to what it is. If that is supposed to be a Jedi, a Jedi Wookiee, and not just a Wookiee who happens to have gotten a yeah. lightsaber for some reason. Then they're going to pull a fin on us, where it's just a Wookiee who picks one up. Exactly. <laughs> He's not actually a Jedi. <laughs> So yeah, I'm talking about Bad Batch series too, and it's again people who listen to this podcast for a while. I did not like the Bad Batch episode, you know, characters in in the Rebels cartoon, yeah, in Rebels. Um, I really thought that they were they were kind of you know silly comic relief. They're a classic A team. Maybe they just didn't do it. And I loved Bad Batch series. I, I did one. too. And I, I was surprised <laughs> at how successful that series was at, at eliciting an emotional response, particularly at the end when they blew up Camino. I think we yeah. talked about this before. I, I I thought I didn't care about Camino in episode two. It seemed like a, a silly idea, a dumb yeah. planet, a pointless plot device. But then when they destroy it at the end of season one, it really does feel like the end of an era. Like this was the last, you know, last year. Yeah, like the, this wars, this yeah. is gone now, and it just it had such a feeling of of dire finality to it that that I just didn't. Didn't think an animated series, much less this one, would be able to pull off. So yeah. uh, I'm also really excited that uh, I keep calling her Roz. That's not her name, but it's Rhea Perlman's character from um, from the original, the the, the bartender, uh, the sort of the gruff, grumpy yeah, yeah. Uh, mission assigner person. Uh, I like that they kind of set up their base of operations around her, and like they need her help with stuff. And she's kind of we're not really sure why yet, but she's really well connected. Was she in Rebels? No, she's not. Um, so, new character. Cautious, new character. But I think the thing that they really also kind of set her up is she's a bit underworld. 
Yeah, and um, you, you need that in a series like this where you've got basically, like you said, an A-team who has to have some reason to go on various missions. Yeah. You need somebody to be sort of the de facto captain giving them orders. And since they're all, they've all gone rogue, yeah. uh, somebody has to be the person that's kind of organizing them and directing where they go. And the, the Rhea Perlman character seems to be fitting into that role. Uh, and she's a fun character on yeah. top of that. So. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm actually quite excited about this. We're also presumably going to see what happens in conjunction with our, our missing member. Who has decided that's right. What's, what's his name? The sniper, right? The sniper, yeah. And it's a, oh, I forget his name. escaped me all I'll of a sudden. Um, and yeah, so that, you know, that kind it's of thing. Crosshair, is that it? Crosshairs, that's yeah. it, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's the, I think it's going to be interesting to see where does that go in conjunction with this. Again, this, uh, this was the first show they had that was truly going into this idea of the foundation of the Empire and the darkness and the foundation of the Empire. I mean, it starts off where we have, yeah. you know, the execution of the Jedi, the, the Order 66, which is still just a stupid thing to call it. Um, it is. The, uh, and, and so, you know, that kind of thing, but it's, it'll be interesting to see where does this go? Where are they going to do with season two? In my mind, this is the one that's the most open. One, because it's animated. They can do anything they want, you know, very easily in conjunction with it. The second thing is because where this one is set and what they are, we're necessarily talking about a very small group mm-hmm. that isn't going to become the rebellion necessarily. It is the A-team. They're operating on the edge of society, potentially. So we can be more radical and we can potentially see aspects of what's happening from an outsider's point of view. Well, it's also interesting that you know these guys, we of course don't really know or see them. As far as we can tell, they play no meaningful role in the events of episodes four, five, and six. So presumably they are... You know, one way or another, not really part of the main plot. You've got to assume it's because they're not alive anymore. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you, you think that the ultimate trajectory of the Bad Batch series is probably towards some kind of heroic sacrifice that they make that I'm going to guess, you know, whether it's in season two, three, or eight, or whatever, gets, gets <laughs> tied back into the main, the main <laughs> plot line at some point. Uh, so interesting to see how that goes. I'm definitely more excited about this than I expected. I might need to go back and watch the first episode, the first season again, though, because if, I don't know if you remember this, but I, I listened to most of these rather than watch them because I was painting a room at, a to- at the time <laughs> in my house. And I just had this on my phone while I was painting, so I didn't actually get to see most of it. And about half of these episodes is, is kind of action that's hard to follow yeah. if all you have is the audio. Bad Batch also has the only really direct uh, Rebels tie-in in conjunction with a pilot out of Rebels appearing in the Bad Batch. That's right. So we're presumably going to see Is that from Ryloth? Uh, yeah. The, yeah. The, um, yeah, she's the... Can't, again, can't think of her Yeah, name. I know. There's too many characters <laughs> now. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. Mandalorian season three. Oh, you want to three. jump back and do? Oh, yeah, let's go Tales back. I'm sorry. Yeah, so we have Star Wars: Tales of the Jedi animated shorts uh, starting October 26, 2022. Here's the blurb from IGN: A new animated anthology series of shorts called Star Wars: Tales of the Jedi is in the works for a fall 2022 release on Disney Plus. All six, okay, only six episodes, will debut on October 26. Great, we can binge it. Uh, fans of the classic Legends timeline will probably recognize that particular branding since Tales of the Jedi is a name with deep significance to the Star Wars mythos. The original Dark Horse comic series was among the first Star Wars stories to flesh out the ancient history of the Jedi Order and their war with the Sith. However, this animated series will focus on characters from the prequel era, specifically Ahsoka and Count Dooku, and Qui-Gon Jinn will also appear. So I was initially very excited about this because I had all those Dark Horse comics, <laughs> and it was like back when the Jedis had the battery pack, like they wore attached to their lightsabers, <laughs> and they were just now like they just developed hyperspace, and they were like exploring new areas. Uh, those were really fun, interesting stories, and they were weird. They were really, really weird. Yeah. This looks like they're playing it a little safe. So what's interesting about it, I went the opposite direction. I actually didn't like those Dark Horse comics because I found them to be too weird. <laughs> um, also having them is what it was. Um, 
And in many respects, I didn't like that fleshing out. I thought it was unnecessary and it was too old. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we needed fleshing out what they're fleshing out now, the stuff closer. That makes me more enthused about this because it is fleshing out closer. The big one that really gets me with this is, can we please explain Count Dooku? Yeah. He makes no sense in episode two. It's, he's kind of a, you know, he's a... He's a fifth wheel in episode three and in a lot of the things. He gets killed right it. away in episode three. Yeah, like, you know, we know he's a pawn in this game as well, but it was never clear to me what he knew or didn't know, what his plan was, yeah. whose side he was on or thought he was on. Did he know Palpatine was Sidious or not? None of that really made any sense to me. Yeah, and why is he even there? Like, why yeah. does he want to be a Sith? You know, because he doesn't even seem quite friendly that evil. He's more manipulative. Yeah. And so it's, it's one of those where I like the fact that they may flesh out Count Dooku because I'd actually like to see Count Dooku yeah. back story. It'll be interesting if they can redeem that character and make it make more sense. So we talked about when Kenobi came out, they had that little sequence at the beginning where they kind of recap the prequels. You and I were both like, wow, th- these make the prequels seem like a coherent plot. You know, <laughs> <laughs> a good movie, actually. Yeah. Good movie. So I, I wonder if they'll be able to do something similar with Count Dooku where they kind of explain where he comes from and it, what what is he trying to accomplish? I, yeah. The character just never made any sense to me other than you know, if you can get Christopher Lee in your movie, you want him. Um, but okay, but now what? And I think the other problem he had is Quite frankly, Darth Maul was cool. Yeah, Darth Maul was way more interesting. No, agreed. (laughs) And it says Qui-Gon Jinn will also appear, it says. Are they going to get Liam Neeson back? I mean, we know he's willing. He yeah. just did it, right? He even put the, the wig on and everything. So be curious to see if uh, yeah. if he's in this as well. well the voice made it, though, so he only need his voice. He only need the yeah, voice. So. That's right. He could probably do it from home if he wanted yeah. to. Everybody so, can work from home now. <laughs> so the thing that I think was going to be interesting in this, I'm going to be most interested in this with who they do. I think this is one where I'm cautiously hopeful. I feel like these could be very bad. At the same time, it's one of those where when has Disney Plus put out anything that I would call very bad? Yeah, nothing's really been terrible. <laughs> What's weird about this, though, is it says it's going to focus on the prequel trilogy, specifically Ahsoka, Dooku, and Qui-Gon, but it's an anthology. So are, are we going to have these characters interacting, or is there just going to be, oh, here's a Qui-Gon episode that takes place ten years before he meets Anakin, you yeah. know, which I would have to, I guess, because he dies, right? Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the prequel. <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know Qui-Gon Jinn dies in episode one, well, you do now. Yeah, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Uh, you know, Dooku, obviously, he dies in three, so uh, interesting to see, you know, what when they set these and, and it what you know? What meat yeah. they put on those bones? I think basically. we're going to see history just because Tales of the Jedi implies the historical. You're kind of going to have to, right? And again, like, do we think, see Dooku back when he's a Jedi? Maybe before he turns? Do we see why he turns? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think one of the things you may also see is early Ahsoka, like before she becomes the pilot. You know, before yeah. she becomes bad one. So that you know, there's there's a lot of interesting things they could explore here. It's really just going to be interesting. What do they do yeah. with it? Like I said, this is one where I'm cautiously optimistic. Mostly the fact that I would say I was cautious. I'm optimistic because Disney Plus has done some amazing, so much amazing content. They, they really have. I, I, I don't know who's, it doesn't say here who's in charge of this, but most of what they've done on the Disney Plus uh, channel has been um, solid at the yeah. worst. So All right. that's what we got. Moving along. What everybody's probably the most excited about, <laughs> Mandalorian Season 3. Uh, it says here it debuts in 2023. Uh, you probably don't need the description, but I'll give it to you. The first live-action Star Wars series will return for a third season, having taken a year off to make room for the Book of Boba Fett. 
editorial thing. It's probably a mistake. Pedro Pascal's uh, Din Djarin <laughs> will return as the lone gunfighter deals with the fallout of season two and the book of Boba Fett and the responsibilities that come <laughs> with wielding the Darksaber. Carl Weathers is also expected to return as Grief Carga. That is the worst name that they've <laughs> had in these series. According to actor uh, Giancarlo Esposito, production was slated to begin in fall of 2021. We've got a trailer. We know it's out. Um, Giancarlo Esposito being back is very exciting. Yeah. Uh, love him. Uh, love Carl Weathers, of course. How can you not? Yeah. Um, everything about this sounds great. Um, the uh, it's, it's what we kind of thought it was going to be from the trailer. It looks like we're going to get into how he has to cleanse himself from removing his helmet, uh, and that we're going to have some. Young uh, Yoda is obviously a character in this. Still sorry. around, <laughs> and I think we can look forward to some Bo-Katan um, yep. uh, hijinks and uh, d- disagreements, shall we say? I think what we're really going to see with this, and quite frankly, what I'm hoping to see with this is twofold. I think there was, you know, when they originally made The Mandalorian Season 1, I think there was surprise at just how popular, you know, Baby Yoda was as a character. They obviously had already filmed the entire series, so he leaves with Luke at the end of Season 1. They had to deal with that, even though he was an extremely popular character. Oh, he leaves with Luke in Season 2. no, season one. No, season two. Because remember, then in season two point five, Book of Boba Fett, he comes back. Yeah. Uh, we see that he goes back to the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. But I think one of the things that we had with it, in, and really had from it, is we needed to kind of deal with some reset issues here. In season two, I think season two of Mandalorian was good, but not sort of great. But what we're really seeing is we saw him transitioning to. We had no idea whether or not this live action see thing for the Mandalorian was. Yeah, going it was to even going to work out. And it turned out it did. It worked really, really well. So season two is a, we're going to make this longer. We potentially have a lot of seasons of this. Let's tell a lot of story. Um, and, you know, we, we can do so. So let's let's do it. Yeah. So that was sort of the thing I think we're seeing with this is the idea of starting a much bigger story. The idea that this is going to have some ongoing type I stuff. I think they're going to go back to Mandalore. I think right? we are going to see Mandalore. There's a scene and, of some like decimated yeah. area that looks like it has to be it. And that's, I think, one of the things where it's also going to flesh out from Rebels, the, the, a lot of the, the story, the political intrigue that occurs substantially in Rebels. I mean, there's a substantial discussion of it in a number of cases that take place on Mandalore in relationships between Mandalore, but really what goes on here, stuff from the Clone Wars as well, the idea that essentially, as she says, your sect um, destroyed us, I think is the line she says. Yeah, and she says, like, there's only two of you left, I think she says, like, or you're the last Mandalorian. Yeah, that sect is the last, um, you know, was on the moon, we know causes problems in conjunction with the Empire, is Jedi Hunters, there's, you know, there's issues around... Mandalore essentially having major civil war. It looks like we're going to be going into that kind of stuff, but we're going to do it as an after it has already happened and we're trying to put it back together type of stuff, which is really intriguing, you know, as to what it is, but also can clearly set up an extremely long plot line. Yes. Um, that They've probably place. got, yeah. They get the runway yeah. here now for multiple more seasons. Disney's going to green light whatever they want with this because this yeah. is their cash cow. Yeah, now. This, ca- is, this is such a cash cow. It's so popular. There's the, there's the joke that what's his name? A Pedro Pascal. Uh, his, <laughs> he's got a repeated repetitive stress injury from single handedly holding up the entire Star Wars franchise. <laughs> well, and it's not true anymore. But yes, yeah. I mean he definitely restarted it. It's great to see this. It's great to see where it'll go. Well, you know. The trailer is is brilliantly done. There's a lot of great yeah. scenes. The voiceover scenes are great. I so mean, here's a question everybody wants to know: Are we going to have more um, post Jedi Luke Skywalker tie-ins here? Like, are we going to get a sequence where we see like 
We saw in, in 2.5, Luke setting up his Jedi training academy area. Yep. Do we get a scene where a young um, uh, Ben Solo shows up and reports for the academy? I think yeah. it's possible. I think we're very well potentially going to see some of the stuff that sort of sets up episode yeah. seven. I don't want much of that, though. Yeah. You know, like I don't mind they weave in a little bit, but I think this this series does the best when it kind of stands on its own story. Yeah, and, and definitely yeah, and the advantage to it also is that this is a story we can have simultaneously going on during the events of the last three movies. Movies. Yeah. I mean, this can be taking place simultaneously with that in a way that means it can have a very long timeline because we're talking about a planet that nowhere appears. And we also have the same problem with Baby Yoda that we have with the Bad Batch. Baby Yoda is not around for episode seven, eight, nine, so yeah. he must be disposed of one way or another. Or, quite frankly, he can just simply be somewhere else yeah. in this and one. And I think they could that's send him off somewhere. Or, yeah. yeah. Because the Mandalorian also obviously doesn't appear, but because we're on Mandalore and Mandalore itself is makes no mention of, of yeah. episode seven, eight, nine, this can be an entire entirely separate thing occurring during the course of those movies and even potentially consider continuing after them. We're probably thinking about more thinking about these kind of consistency details more than anybody at, at Disney is other than John Favreau and uh, <laughs> yeah. Dave Filoni. Well, they, this they, is John Favreau. Yeah, I was going to say, so they'll, they'll, they, they're probably thinking of that as they plot out the story and where it's going to go. So, yeah. uh, but I do, I do like that they're taking their time with this. There's no big rush. We got a little bit of a, of a teaser with, uh, with the book of Boba Fett. So. Episode, at Mandalorian, episode 2.5, yeah. yeah. But, uh, so, uh, <laughs> Season three, we don't have a start time. It just says 2023 sometime. So we'll have to wait a while. Yeah, I think they said in 2023, I think, in the trailer. They don't even specify. Oh, that could be like is, more so. than a year from now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope not. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Uh, the next one is Young Jedi Adventures Animated TV Series. We probably won't waste much time on this one because you can guess what it is. Animated series is geared towards the youngsters. Uh, set during the High Republic area, Young Jedi Adventures will follow younglings as they learn the ways of the Force and, according to Lucasfilm, become Jedi, compassion, self-discipline, teamwork, patience, and friendship. IGN says, that seems oddly worded, Lucasfilm. The series will run Disney Plus and Disney Junior debuting in the spring of 2023. This seems like an obvious uh, droids-type kid show. Yep. Well, quite frankly to me, what this, rem what this reminds me of is we're going to have 1980s G.I. Joe. Yeah. Um, you, know, the, you know, the more you know. Yes. <laughs> the more, and knowing is half the battle. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly, knowing is half the battle. Um, what we're really going to see here is we're going to see the idea of what does it mean to be a Jedi. I, I think these are going to be, for lack of a better term, to adults preachy, but they're yeah. going to be useful in conjunction with young this kids. This sounds this like what Clone like. Wars started out as and then kind of got away from. Yeah, like, when Clone Wars gets kind of dark. Yeah. <laughs> so that one's pretty straightforward. Uh, with no details and in the High Republic era, um, I don't know when that is. That must have been that's way early. back. Yeah, yeah, that's really early. So that, that gives them a lot of sort of um, temporal distance in the story to where they can say whatever they want. It doesn't really yeah. affect anything. Because even by episode one, the Republic's considered in decline, yeah. if I remember correctly. So. All right, next coming up, Star Wars Visions Volume 2. I'm excited about this. I'm excited about um, this as well. The animated series Star Wars Visions will get a second volume in spring 2023. The announcement of the continuation of the series came during Star Wars Celebration 2022. No word yet on plot or story details, but expect another anthology of standalone stories. Value 1 was specifically anime-focused, but this second batch of episodes will be more global, featuring filmmakers from Japan, Chile, France, South Africa, and many other countries. That sounds amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The thing I think we have with Visions, I think Visions was risky, without any question. Yeah. And Visions succeeded beyond anybody's yeah. expectations. There, I mean, every, it was a mixed bag. There are only one or two that, like, everybody that, like, you and I, most people we know didn't really care for. Yeah. Uh, but I, I wound up liking it a lot more than I expected to. The example of where I look at this is I keep jumping back to the Animatrix, for you guys who are into the Matrix. You know, the Animatrix has two extremely good episodes and a whole lot of poor content in my mind um, and didn't really work. Like, it was a good idea that didn't yeah. really work. This um, 
the, the Star Wars Visions kind of did really work. What I really liked about Star Wars Visions is the idea of using the Star Wars universe, telling radically different stories. Yeah. Visually different, different narratively yeah. different. I mean, just completely off the wall mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, and, and really not being tied into the main storyline gave... I mean, I think we said only one of those series was really connected to any characters we saw. There was a Jabba the Hutt appearance, yeah. I think. The rest were just entirely uh, made from scratch. Uh, yep. And it was just so freeing to be able to do whatever they wanted with it. Yeah, and I think that that was the thing with it. I like the fact that they're not making it like, let's make anime-style U.S. Star Wars. Yeah. Let's make anime-style anime Star Wars. Yeah, I want to <laughs> see what Chilean Star Wars looks like. Yeah, and that's, I think, the biggest thing for all of us is it's the idea of really interpreting Star Wars in conjunction with different countries, you know, more traditional sort of, you know, forms of entertainment, yeah. which is what they did with, with the Japanese anime, has so much potential here. It can be so interesting. Now, I, I'm also very open to the fact that I might not like a number of these. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm expecting um, to not like a number yeah. of them. But uh, I think just the fact that you've got these different voices from these different places uh, is is exciting to see what they do. Uh, I just I just love mashups like this. You, a South <laughs> African. Uh, uh, an animator. Is yeah. gonna, I mean, and then in Star Wars, I, I mean, I, I can't wait to see what they do. And it also gives the idea of exploring. What do we have as people in here? I mean, yeah. Star Wars is a really, really big universe. We can have aliens of any kind we can conceive of, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, we have essentially consciousness with no body existing. You know, we have droids. Like we can investigate what does it mean to be a droid. You know, these yeah. kind of things in conjunction. There's so much they can do here. Well, and so much of, of of science fiction is you know comes from Western writers. So you have sort of a Western idea. Yeah. Of what a robot is and what it looks like, and what uh, an alien is and what it looks like, what their motivations are. Uh, Chile, I don't know anything about Chile other than where it is. You know, in anime, in anime, we know monsters must have tentacles, but yes, yeah, that's a Japanese, Japanese thing. So, but you know, I, I mean, th- there's there's countries listed here that I, I, I mean, even France. I mean, I couldn't right. name. I've seen a couple French films here and there, but yeah. I haven't watched any French animation. I have no idea what what passes for French animation. Uh, so. There's one. And me- Emile? Is it, there was a famous French Oh, yeah, I know, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so um, anyway, this is, this is really exciting. I can't wait to see the list of other countries. I will definitely binge watch this, yeah. probably with my anime-obsessed daughter. Uh, and, and we'll, uh, <laughs> my anime-obsessed daughter. So you, you can expect a spring 2023 episode where we go back through and rank these like we did the last set, because this is this is one of the more, more exciting announcements. Okay. Moving on, the Star Wars Ahsoka TV series 2023. Uh, the Mandalorian spinoff series will focus on Rosario Dawson's Ahsoka Tano, so I guess that means it's live action. The series yeah. will be set in the same era as the Mandalorian itself, so rather than fill in the missing gaps in Ahsoka's story, it'll likely revolve around her hunt for Grand Admiral Thrawn as teased on the Mandalorian. Hayden Christensen will also appear as Anakin Skywalker, following his appearance in Obi-Wan Kenobi, although whether he'll appear as a Force ghost or via flashback scenes is unclear. The show's cast also includes Ray Stevenson as as an unknown villain, and Lou Bordizo as Ahsoka's Mandalorian comrade Sabine Wren. Dave Filoni is writing the series, and production is slated to begin in April of 2022. It is now September, so uh, hopefully production has already begun. Yeah, and Sabine Wren, who we know from Rebels. Yes, Sabine, that's right, that's right. So um, I don't know the Ahsoka character that well. I'll, I'll turn this over yeah. to you. What do you think? So this is Clone Wars. I think nobody who has watched the entirety of Clone Wars did not fall in love with Ahsoka as a character. She's an extremely good character in Clone Wars, that, you know, was also, you know, everybody knew what had to happen to her. We know she has to, you know, I mean, she's Anakin's bad one. Like, this can't go well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's the sort of thing. I mean, what I do like is the fact that they've made her not a Jedi 
yet a Jedi type character. Yeah, she knows how uh, to fight with lightsaber type yeah. weapons. Um, but she's she's not bound by the Jedi code. So Have we seen speak. her use? The, did we see her use the Force in the Mandalorian episode? No, I don't think we did. But she she fought, just uses her but lightsabers, yeah. you know, and stuff like that. Um, the only thing I have sort of with this, I did not particularly like the character design and her real, her real reverses, her animation. That's, that's tough to pull off. Yeah, it's very tough to pull off, you know, as to what it is. I just, I, it's one of those I just, I, I thought the makeup could have been done a little bit better. Um, and that's, I know I'm nitpicking, but it's one of those, you know, is that, is You're that, a theater snob. Theater, <laughs> theater snob and a theater tech snob. Like, it really kind of got to me, you know, as to what it was. Um, but I like the actress. I thought she did a good job sort of with the, with the concept of what she was. They did seem to again make her. I wouldn't say darker. She seems bitter. Yes, that seems to be one of the Which key aspects of it. It made sense. It fits the thing. But it'll be interesting to see where this goes. My big take for this one, and I think it's you know for me in conjunction with it. Who doesn't want to see Grand Admiral Thrawn? Yeah, so it says the show's cast includes Ray Stevenson <laughs> as an unknown villain. Kirk, I'm going to bring you a picture of Ray <laughs> <Yep>. Stevenson. <laughs> Who else is he going to play? I mean, a square-jawed, low, I mean, thick brow, nice-looking guy. This is Grand Admiral Thrawn. So. It's, that, that's definitely how I mean. As much as it is, I know, I'll just point out generally in conjunction with it. So my, my, my 10-year-old son cannot stand Grand Admiral Thrawn. He hates him. Oh, you're supposed to um, hate him. Well, the hell with it is. I said, you know, he's, he's, you hate him because he's such a great villain. And he's like, no, I don't like him because... I don't like him. Um, no, you hate him because he's a great villain. Thing is, is he is such a good villain. He's one step ahead of everybody, if not four or five steps ahead of everybody. It's what makes him so good um, in conjunction with I always levels. say people who think they're playing 5D chess really aren't, but Grad Admiral Thrawn is playing 5D chess. <laughs> he's really playing 5D chess, and you are really playing 3D chess and losing at 5D chess. And, and that's the thing that's sort of you know great about it is what it is. So I'm really hoping we can see that. He's he's like Darth Maul, a villain that was sort of underutilized originally. Yeah. He's he came back a lot in Rebels. You know, Maul came back a lot as well. You know, we've seen these sort of reuse of villains that, in some sense, were died too early. Yeah, uh, for lack of a better term. I mean, Grand Thalmaton didn't. He was in a book, and so he yeah. was never able to use. But I think what we're really going to see here, what's going to be great, is we're going to get to see some fleshing out of that. We're going to see more of that. This will be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm excited about this one. I, I'm with you. The the visual design of the Ahsoka character, unfortunately, she was created as an animated character, and yeah. so translating that into into um, live action is is tricky. I do like Rosario Dawson, so I think if, I think I thought she pulled off the character really well yes. in the Mandalorian. I like the uh, style of the character, and again, I kind of liked her her sort of very bitter. Yeah, I mean, she and, and admittedly, it doesn't work well in the Mandalorian because we come about Mandalorian's a little more of a comical show, but they needed it to introduce her. Yeah, which, which they did a nice job with that. So hopefully when they can put a little more focus on her character, uh, block and shoot around it, that it'll, it'll look better. So yeah. um, that's a good one too. Okay, moving on. Star Wars Skeleton Crew, formerly Grammar Rodeo, uh, TV series 2023. <laughs> Previously operating under the working title of Grammar Rodeo, Star Wars Skeleton Crew comes from Spider-Man No Way Home director John Watts. This is a quote. Uh, from Vanity Fair. The show takes place during the post-Return of the Jedi reconstruction that follows the fall of the Empire, the same as the Mandalorian. A casting notice has called for four children around 11 to 12 years old. Inside Lucasfilm, the show is being described as a galactic version of a classic Amblin coming-of-age adventure film of the 1980s. So it's Stranger Things in Space. It's, that's what's it's what I mean. E.T. E.T., yeah. Because that would be the Amblin Entertainment e. coming e. of age film in the Go 80s. Goonies. Um, <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is going to be, I think, a, a light-hearted, slightly slapsticky, but but serious, um, a kid drama. Well, and, and I'll throw one other piece behind this. Oh, and Jude Law is in it. So yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, know, I love Jude Law. He's an actor. 
Um, one of the things that you have from it, and I think the one take I would take away from it as to what it is necessarily being slapsticky as to what it is, we can play with another 80s coming-of-age drama. Not an 80s coming-of-age drama that was provided in the 80s, but when set in the 80s is It. Yeah. Um, and so this could take a darker movement, you know, as to whatever it is. I mean, it is called Skeleton Crew. See, that's the thing. The, the title, if you look at the, look it up, it kind of has a, I don't know, it just, it, it, it screams Stranger Things to me. And I can't help yeah. but think that the success of, Scra- of Stranger Things, being able to focus on younger characters, but put them in more serious roles. The age range is just about right. 11 to 12 mm-hmm. is kind of in that old enough to go on adventures and be put in danger without horrifying older audiences that it's like kind of heartless and cruel. Yeah. Um, I, I think they can, they can pull that off. So this, this has Goonies. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Goonies, it's going to be Goonies, yeah, written, Goonies all written all over it. Goonies written all over it. Stranger Things written all over it. It really is something where it's, I think the thing with this is we're going to see them get thrown into something which is dangerous. Yeah. As they say, it's post-reconstruction, so maybe we're going to be something around the idea of, um, again, sort of the, um, the the Jedi school, you know, something associated yeah. with that. We're going to see something, are we going to see initially a First Order, you know, elements like that? Would we potentially even see one of the characters who becomes a First Order person early on? It'll be interesting to see where it goes. I think that this is one where it's still early. We'll see where it goes. It's an intriguing concept. It could go a lot of ways. We'll have to wait. They do have a 2023 release date, and this is the last one on here that actually has a a, a date. So okay. this is kind of what we've got planned through the end of next year. As of now, some of these other ones are going to – we'll blow through them more quickly because there's not much on them. But uh, uh, you know, one of those could always move up. But Well, and I think the big thing we've really got with the rest of them, and maybe it doesn't even make sense to do them one at a time, but to just sort of talk about it generally yeah. – my, my take from this is, and I think what we're seeing right now, Disney has figured out that Star Wars content will sell. Um, and yeah. it, is, it will sell a whole bunch of different things. It will sell Disney Plus. It will also sell Disney theme parks. It doesn't even have uh, to be great. It just has to be competent. It has to be competent. But the problem with it is a good percentage of it right now is great. Yeah. Um, and, you know, things like that. They are, they've developed some very interesting new characters. You know, characters that are as endearing as Luke and Yoda and, you know, Leah and stuff like that from the original, you know, series. We're making Kenobi more interesting. We're making Darth Vader more interesting. We're we're all of a sudden, it's we've got this new sort of endearing character, this new endearing world. Are we going to see Andor become an extremely, you know, popular character? Yeah, because if they expand that correctly, you could make that character spin off books and and other series and things like that. And they're already talking about an Andor season two. So we may have several seasons of sort of this this ongoing story of the early days of the rebellion uh, going through. And the truly great thing about this is this is also an area because the Star Wars, quite frankly, is an extremely big universe. Um, They can do virtually anything they want. Yeah. You know, the advantage we have with this is what you're having is, and this is why I put out the fact that I think there's been a lot of great content. I think what we're going to see in playing around in conjunction with this is a lot of push for just what is great content. As we start yeah. to see with visions, you can have all sorts of different imagery here, all sorts of different styles of storytelling, all sorts of stories that may, you know, yes, this fits the Star Wars universe, even though it occurs nothing in any form of other stuff. It still fits as something you might see in the Star Wars universe. There is kind of a theme here emerging of what time periods are going through. So let's talk about these last couple. Just we'll run through them real quick. Yeah, sure. There's one called Star Wars The Acolyte, a TV series that takes place during the High Republic era, era 200 years before the prequels. There's a Star Wars Lando series. Uh, they show, that one's given. You yeah, they, they show a picture here of uh, – <laughs> of, uh, um, uh, the younger Glover. I forgot his name now. Is it Don, Donald? Donald oh, okay. Glover. Uh, uh, they show him here, but uh, we don't know if he's going to actually reprise they the say, role. Presumably, we'll see him. Presumably. Doing, we've got uh, Taika Waititi's Star Wars movie, which there's really no details on that other than that uh, Taika Waititi is uh, uh, attached to it. 
We've got Star Wars Rogue Squadron. This is a Patty Jenkins vehicle, the Wonder Woman director. Looks like it got derailed <laughs> while she was working on Wonder Woman 3. Uh, but And all, we have a mention also of creative differences. We've seen that before. Uh, this was going to be a film, though. And I think what we're learning and Disney is learning is that this stuff just isn't translating well to film. Yeah. Uh, every one of these films now is having like creative problems where they, where they can't seem to yeah. come to agreement. And quite frankly, Wonder Woman's a fabulous movie. So she clearly knows yeah. what she's doing. Yeah. I have a lot of confidence in Patty Jenkins. Um, uh, but I, you know, I'd love to see what happens if they say, "All right, Patty, we're going to give you a, a six-episode arc to do a Rogue Squadron series uh, on Disney Plus." Yeah. What do you got? Like, we fix it that way, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then we've got, uh, I think that's it. Yeah, yep. that's everything. All right. So, so I think what we'll see with it again, if we said it sort of in the beginning, I think there is a huge focus to foundation of the Empire, and again, the idea of turning dark. It doesn't surprise me, just given sort of current political climate in the world. We're interested in the rise and fall of empires. That's what we're seeing. It's it's set at the rise of the empire and it's set at the fall of the empire. Yeah. Um, the one thing I have to admit I would like to see is I'd see him go a little bit more into the rise of the first order. Yeah, same um, here. You know, just because it would be intriguing to see how that whole thing sort of works. I'm looking up Taika Waititi um, to see what else he's done. I can't remember. It'll just be interesting. I, and, and again, I think the thing with this is a lot of this stuff is obviously speculative. My guess is half of this will happen. Rogue Squadron had obviously been played around with for a while. Mm. Um, I think the problem you're going to bump into with Rogue Squadron is... You know, knowing what it is and what it's potentially about, Rogue Squadron really is, you know, snow speeders and Empire Strikes Back. Let's be realistic. That's, yep. that's what everybody associates with it. That's a hard mold to follow. Yeah. Rogue One worked because it was playful of the idea of how the call sign of Rogue got created versus them all being colors, which is what they always were. Yep. Um, you know, okay, that was kind of playful from that point of view as to, you know, and in some sense that's why it works as Rogue One is the idea is it's, the fact that it's called Rogue One doesn't mean anything. It's just, no, it that's really a, that's doesn't. A good joke. Yeah, because the only um, Rogue Squadron we saw was the the Snow Speeders, and obviously yeah. we're not gonna have a whole series about Snow Speeders. Yeah, I mean, obviously that kind of thing. Okay, so uh, Taika Waititi was uh, Thor Ragnarok and Thor: Love and Fun Thunder. I knew okay. I knew I'd seen the name somewhere, so that's okay. uh, that's where you know him from. I have seen neither of those two Thor movies. I, I haven't either. I've seen parts of Ragnarok. I've not seen Love and Thunder. That just came out not yeah, too long just came ago. Out. It just released on Disney Plus actually because it's yeah. theatrical. He release. Uh, he was the director for Ragnarok and the director and co-writer with uh, Jennifer Robinson on. And Love and Thunder. So if you've seen those, that's that's what we're talking about yeah. for for that. For I know that a film. lot of people spoke very highly of Ragnarok, so it's, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what that. Gets. Well, it's interesting too. I think uh, Taika Waititi, I think, is from New Zealand. Uh, and isn't uh, Tamara Morrison also from New Zealand? The uh, the, the Boba Fett. Maybe. I so I don't know if there'll be some tie in there. Maybe who knows? Yeah, who knows? That's what we're going to see. But yeah, I think the, the big thing with this is is it's we're seeing this movement to exploring the thing between the trilogies. Quite frankly, they could also explore some era between the movies. I mean, you could very easily explore the era between New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. You, you could. Know. You could do a whole series on how they find Hoth. That would be interesting. Yeah. Uh, and they sort of hinted at that, you know, the idea with it. There's been playful stuff around that. It's like some of the Lego yeah. uh, type things with it. I assume we're going to see more Lego specials. I think they have basically realized that the Lego Christmas special at this point in time needs to be campy. Yes. Because they need to make fun of the Christmas special. Well, that's, that's the whole Lego theme, right? The Lego movie kind of established <laughs> yeah. that that irreverent humor. The the Lego Batman movie was the really same way. Did it. <laughs> And the Star Wars one's the same way. It's it's freeing in some way to be able to just take a step back and say, okay, we all know how silly all of this really is yeah. in the end. And let's just acknowledge it and have some fun with it. But let's also like point, you know, make, you know, poke fans every so often. Like, yeah. you know, the, the Han Solo's with the, do you want to shoot first? No, you shoot first. You know, and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's, you can do, they, they, they really get, those are playful. They're fun. Now, admittedly, Lego also made the Freemaker Adventures, which is, 
a quite good animated series, actually. I don't know how it really fits in. I mean, there's yeah. associations with the Kyber Saber, with early sort of things like that. It's obviously playful. It's silly. But it's one of those things where, you know, it's it's not that they can't make good Lego content with it. Um, well, probably, but I have the feeling that they really figured out their niche is that somewhat irreverent the, Yeah, humor. that uh, narrow slice of humor that they, they pull off really well where, where nobody else yeah, can. Yeah, making fun of sort of established properties yeah. that, you know, works... You know, it works so well in the establishment of Batman as the character in the original Lego movie and then the Lego Batman movie. Um, you know, even, they even do it in Lego Masters because of Will Arnett being in Lego Masters, which is about to return for season three, which I'm super <laughs> excited about. <laughs> I, I've not seen the prior ones. I did see the ad for that. Uh, I thought I saw Chris Pratt was in an episode. And, no, it looks interesting. I just saw some giant Lego ball being thrown at a bunch of Lego stuff yeah. and blowing it all up. And I went, that, that's super fun. Like, I've got to see that. <laughs> if you haven't watched Lego Masters, I mean, it's literally, Lego Masters is the one television show we have to watch when it's actually on with our kids. I mean, we don't quite because basically we record it that day so we can watch it through yeah. quicker. But it's one of those things where, you know, it's, it is quite frankly a great show. And they make a lot of very irreverent Lego Batman jokes because Will Arnett is the host. Mm-hmm. They have made a number of Lego Super, uh, Star Wars jokes. Um, but it's it's a great show because it's kind of the what everybody would like to do with Legos yeah. when you were a kid. Like you wanted you wanted to be on the show when you were a kid if you were into Legos. I want to be on the show now. My kids want to be on this show now. Um, but there's no way we have the talent. Yeah, <laughs> that, that is a, a, a separate. Like Lego hires people who like their job is to design these elaborate yeah. Lego things. So. Okay, so uh, that's all the Star Wars content. Uh, just real quick, Kirk, of all the things we looked at, what's what are you most excited about? Stunningly Andor. Yeah, same, same um, here. And, and it's uh, I hate saying that because the fact that it should be Mandalorian Season 3, which I am really excited about from the trailer, but Andor looks so interesting. It just looks so good. Like, what is this going to be about? Yeah. And, and stuff like that. And and so that's, I, I think, probably my number one at this point in time. I, I would agree. So there you have it. Andor is going to be the best Star Wars over the next uh, year. You heard it here first. <laughs> all right. That's all for today. We'll see you next time. Lauren, play us out. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Lewis Rice LLC, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. This podcast was produced and recorded in St. Louis, Missouri. 